Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Well, last Sunday I was in Prosper, Texas, the foreign land of Texas, and, and, uh, and I was with my two oldest kids, Neve and Cohen, and uh, my mom was there, my sister Shannon and her family. We were out there for my brother, Pastor Josh's church launch. I think they're gonna put pictures up there in a moment. It was amazing to see after 13 months of planning, of prayer, preparation, and to see and experience the fruit of, of what God did was awesome. It was a, it was a real a focal part of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, 6 a.m. We were praying for my brother's church and and it was just tremendously successful. The beautiful setup, great sense of God's presence. My brother preached a, an awesome message. I was so, so proud of him. There were a, 160 adults, 54 kids, 214 people that attended for their launch Sunday last week. And what I was even more thankful for, and even to be honest, more surprised by, was there was 15, one five, 15 people gave their lives to Christ last Sunday. I think there was 10 of them who raised their hand, and then the next day they found five cards. Four of them were teenagers. I think they were Asher's friends, actually. Uh, several families that used to be part of the cause that, that have been planted out there the last couple of years in that North Dallas area uh, were there, so it was great to see some familiar faces, and uh, including uh, some of you would know Miss Ingrid Goosby, who served in our children's ministry for a long time. She's leading their children's ministry now and doing a great job. I'm just so proud of my brother and, and his wife, Elizabeth, and their whole family. Sunday afternoon after church was done, we're hanging out at his house and eating Texas barbecue and watching the football games and talk, kind of just talking about the day. And, and I just looked at my brother and said, one Sunday down, the rest of your life to go. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> but uh, church, I just wanna thank you so much for your incredible generosity. Uh, and, and your, your prayers, your intercession for the Cause Church Prosper. Keep praying for him, by the way. And my wife, Jenny, did an amazing job last Sunday holding down the fort, home alone with our baby, Eliana, our two-year-old, all by herself, preaching an unbelievable message called the, the Prayer That God Answers 1,000 Times More. And it was so good, I was just gonna stay in Texas and let Jenny just keep preaching. It was. I had people texting me as I'm watching the football game. And basically what they were telling me is your wife is a thousand times better preacher than you. <laughs> Which I don't dispute, she's certainly a thousand times better looking than I am. So in honor of Jenny today, by the way, I wore this. That's right. <laughs> I was just gonna wear this and Jenny said, you cannot just wear that. So, because I am unashamed of my Jenny t-shirt. And uh, by the way, so in our family for Christmas, we give uh, what we call a main gift. This was my main gift from Jenny, my main Christmas gift from Jenny, best gift I've ever received. And Eliana, when she saw it, she was really confused. She said, mama. Mama, mama. Is that, yeah, they're all mama, honey. Yes, they're all, all five of them. So anyways, uh, if you're looking for a Valentine's Day gift idea, here you go. Not, not this shirt. That would be weird. You got to get your own shirt. But uh, 
Anyways, I'm hoping that some of her anointing literally is going to rub off on me today as I preach. But here we go. A, a pastor, a doctor, and an engineer. See if I can tell a joke and butt my shirt at the same time. A pastor, a doctor, and an engineer were waiting one morning for a particularly slow group of golfers. The engineer said, what's with these guys? We've been waiting for at least 15 minutes. The doctor said, I don't know, but I've never seen such ineptitude. The pastor said, hey, here comes the, the greenskeeper. Let's have a word with him. Sorry, excuse me for a moment. Button this last one here. Okay, that's not, not appropriate. The pastor says, here comes the greenskeeper. Let's have a word with him. And so he says, hey, George, say, what's with that group ahead of us? They're rather slow, aren't they? And George said, oh, yes. He said, that's a group of blind firefighters. They lost their sight saving our clubhouse from a fire last year. So we always let them play for free anytime. The group was silent for a moment, like you guys. Uh, pastor said, wow, that's, that's so sad. I'll, I'll pray for them tonight. And the doctor said, that's a good idea. And I'm going to contact my ophthalmologist buddy and see if there's anything he can do for them. The engineer said, why can't these guys just play at night? <laughs> and now, Gary, you can be done playing. Thank you very much. I, I, I do want to say the 10 o'clock service laughed harder at that joke than you guys did. So anyways, uh, stand to your feet one more time, if you would, everybody. Uh, we're going to read Acts chapter 9, verse 31. It'll be our foundational verse for today. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture, but just this one verse we'll start with. Father, thank you for the power and the truth of your word. God, speak to us today. Encourage us, challenge us, convict us, correct us so that we, be, we could become the men and women that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. amen. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. They'll put it up on the screen from the New Living Translation. Let's all read this together. Ready, go. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. As you're seated, look at the person next to you and say, I'll be honest, I wish Pastor Jenny was preaching today. Okay, go ahead and then you can tell somebody, then be seated. We're starting a new series today that I'm simply calling The Fear of God. The Fear of God. <laughs> I was gonna call it Awesome Awe, The Holy Healthy Fear of God. And Jenny said, that's a stupid title and it's bad grammar, don't call it that. So I'm just calling it The Fear of God. Most Christians, I think, have little to no understanding of what the fear of the Lord is and, and certainly some misconceptions and probably just sounds like a mystery to some of us, which is why I want to spend a little bit of time today and the next few weeks talking about it, because I believe that it is foundational. The fear of God is foundational to all of life and certainly to our own relationship and walk with the Lord. Oftentimes when we think of fear, we probably think of destructive fears. In, in other words, fears that cause anxiety or worry or even fears that will paralyze us from moving forward in our lives. It might be the fear of getting a divorce or the fear of losing your job or the fear of getting sick or the fear of failure or the fear of death. It might be kind of smaller, lesser fears or phobias like the fear of heights or 
the fear of clowns. <laughs> I've never really understood that one. I know some people are terrified of clowns. Or the fear of spiders, the fear of spiders. Why is it? This doesn't make any sense to me either. I don't understand how women can be afraid of spiders, but they are unafraid to give birth to children. Like those two, that doesn't make sense to me. But whatever the, the fear of becoming a Raiders fan or whatever it might be, I don't know. <laughs> I gotta take my shots, football season's almost done. Sometimes when we hear the, the fear of the Lord, you know, we just think it's being scared of God. Like I'm, I'm scared of spiders, I guess I'm supposed to be scared of God. Let me just start off by saying the fear of the Lord is not being scared of God. It's not being scared of God. True story about uh, that happened in Barcelona, Spain. There was a truck that was driving and it was carrying an empty coffin in its bed. And as it was driving along, it, it picked up a farmer who was hitchhiking. And so he's sitting in the back of the truck and, and it started to rain pretty hard. And, and he saw this coffin. So he just opened up the lid and realized it was totally empty and, and nothing and nobody was in it. So he crawled inside to keep dry and fell asleep. Well, a little while later, the truck picked up two more hitchhikers. Some of y'all know where this is going. And, uh, and as the truck kept speeding along the road, the farmer finally woke up inside the coffin, pushed the lid open, popped his head out and said, oh, it stopped raining. And the other two hitchhikers were so scared that they jumped off the speeding truck, all right? And we'll just leave the story there. <laughs> but 365 times in the Bible, the Bible says, fear not. Fear not, one for every day of the year, a daily reminder to fear not. This is referring, I think, to destructive fears. But 200 times, almost 200 times in the Bible, we are encouraged to fear God. Because not all fear is bad. Some fear is not destructive, some fear is constructive. In other words, it's helpful, it's valuable, it's beneficial. If you are at the Grand Canyon, then you might have a fear of getting too close to the edge and falling off a 2,000 foot cliff. And so wisdom will tell you, don't get too close to the edge. Or if you're in Yellowstone National Park, and there are grizzly bears up there, by the way. I've, I've been to Yellowstone National Park. You know, uh, fear will tell you, don't get too close to the grizzly bear. Don't go and try to pet it and take a selfie with it because you might get hurt. Or you might have the fear of having severe stomach issues if you violate the three-item rule at Taco Bell and you decide to go above and beyond three items. Listen, you're, you're asking for trouble, all right? You know, wisdom tells you don't do that. And so the fear of the Lord, there are certain kinds of fears like the fear of the Lord that are helpful and valuable and beneficial in our lives. Today I want to define and explain the fear of the Lord and I wanna teach five uh, benefits of fearing the Lord. The title of my message is very simply, The Benefits of Fearing God. So I'm gonna answer three questions. What is the fear of the Lord? Number two, what are the benefits of fearing God or why should I fear God? And then number three, I'm gonna close with this, how do I fear God? And I'll just barely touch on that because I'm gonna pick that question up next Sunday. We are a church, the cause church walks in the fear of God. I need a better amen than that, all right, everybody? We are a church that fears the Lord. 
Some of you might think, you know, even if you're all fear of the Lord, yeah, that's an Old Testament. It sounds Old Testament. No, it's a New Testament concept. You see it in Paul's letters. You see it in the early church. We just read the verse. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. New King James says the church multiplied. Listen, we, we want to be a New Testament church, which means we need to walk in the fear of the Lord. It is a key to to God's blessing. It is a key to power and miracles in and through the church is walking and living in the fear of God. Our church is getting stronger. Our church is getting healthier and our church is growing. And I would pray that by God's grace, we could even use the word multiplying at some point. Already as we started 2024, we're only a few weeks in, God has moved miraculously and supernaturally in our church. It's amazing. I mean, we've heard some great stories already. Let me just share a few real quick. Just a couple of weeks ago, I think I announced like the, maybe the second or third week of, of January, I announced that uh, our year-end giving in December collectively was $160,000 and that we were gonna take 10% of that and tie that to the Los Angeles Dream Center, so $16,000, which is, which is awesome. Well, the, the next day that I announced that, one of my friends and a couple in the church called me and said, Pastor, the, the Lord spoke to us, or really spoke to my wife, but spoke to us and, and felt like we needed to, to match that. We needed to give $16,000 and double that gift. So overnight, the gift doubled from sixteen dollars to $32,000. A couple other people ended up giving some additional money, and then we thought, we, we need to increase this as a church because it's Pastor Matthew's 50th birthday. So as a church, we gave $50,000 to the Dream Center. That, that's awesome. They go to the work of the ministry. Well, just a few days after that, Jenny and I were in a meeting with, with one of our staff members, Brett, and another couple, and we were talking to them about uh, marketplace ministry and how to launch a marketplace ministry that we're gonna start this year because they've done that at their church, which is the Los Angeles Dream Center. And so we spent some time with them. They were extremely generous with their time and gave us great wisdom and, and answered all of our questions. A few days after that meeting, uh, they sent Jenny and I a text and said, hey, we've been praying about this and the Lord put on our heart to sow a seed into your marketplace ministry of $16,000. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing to me. I, I, I thought you guys might be a little bit more excited about that, but... I mean, yeah, yeah, that has to be God. Let me tell you, let me tell you some di- different, different stories, two other quick ones. Just, a, I think it was last week or the week before, we had our third consecutive worship and prayer night during our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we spent some time at that last one. I said, we're gonna pray for people to receive the, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It was, a, it was powerful. God was, was touching people. People were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, one of my friends, and he's a good friend of mine. I know him real well. He came up to me and said, John, I gotta tell you something. He said, 20 years ago, I got baptized with the Holy Spirit. I know that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. But he said, tonight, uh, well, this is what he said. He said, I've been praying for 20 years to, to, uh, for God to give me a release of spiritual language. I, I know that I've been filled. I just haven't had spoken tongues yet. He said, tonight, I spoke in tongues for the first time. I had spiritual language. 20 years later, Rick, that's amazing. Two decades later, a few days after he told me this, a guy in the church called me up and said, Pastor, I gotta tell you this story. He said, you remember that guy that we had from Australia early in the year? I said, Pastor Andrew Kabbalah? He said, yeah, that guy. I said, yeah. He said, well, the Sunday that he was preaching at the service I was at, 
he asked if anybody had a broken back and needed prayer. And he said, I was gonna go up there, I was getting ready to go up, but I was sitting in the very back and somebody beat me to it. They came up on the stage. And so he said, but when I was in that, that service, he said, he said, God healed me. He said, I've, listen to this. He said, 20 years ago, 2004, I was in a severe car accident and I've been in tremendous pain. In fact, I know this gentleman, he walks with a cane. He said, John, since that time, he said, the pain has left. He says, I know that God has healed me. He said, the only pain that I have now is using muscles that I haven't used in 20 years in my back. And I said, hold on a sec, because I, I know who he is and I don't remember him getting called up to, to receive prayer. I said, did Pastor Andrew call you forward and pray for you? He said, no. I said, well, did he pray for you at all? He said, no. I said, well, did anybody pray for you? He said, no, God healed me. <laughs> he just got supernaturally healed just in the service, 20 years. I, that's cool. Why? Because our church, we live in, in the fear of the Lord. We walk in the fear of God. And as we live by his spirit, the church is gonna become stronger. And we're gonna grow. And by God's grace, I pray that we multiply. Men and women, as you live and walk in the fear of the Lord, you're gonna become spiritually stronger this year. And you're gonna grow spiritually strong as well. Let's talk about for a moment, what is the fear of God? Let's define it. To fear God is to be in awe of him. To be in awe of him. To honor, to tremble, to revere, to esteem, to respect, to value, and to venerate him more than anyone or anything else. That's what that term means, fear the Lord, all of those words, that's what it means. Now, let me, let me give you kind of an expanded definition that will uh, unpack this a little bit more of what the fear of the Lord is. Number one, the fear of God is to live with the continual awareness that we are in the presence of a holy, just, and almighty God live in the presence. Jeremiah 5, do you not fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble at my presence? Psalm 139 says, I can never get away from your presence. There's, just real quick, there are three different types of the presence of God, if you will. One is the manifest presence of God. That's when God makes himself known to us. Also, we have the inner presence of God through the Holy Spirit. And then there's the omnipresence of God, which is God is present everywhere at the same time. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. Listen, you can run away from God, but you can't hide from him, men and women. You can't get away from his presence. And part of the fear of God is recognizing that. That everything that I do, everywhere I go, God sees and he knows. Number two, the fear of God is to live with a total devotion to God, with deep reverence, dedication, and a right response to him in every area of my life. In every area of my life. The Bible says that the wisest man who ever lived was King Solomon, he was one of David's sons who became the next king of Israel. He was the wisest man who ever lived, and Solomon had everything. He had tried everything the world had to offer. He had fame, he had fortune, he had women, he had success. He had it all. At 
Towards the end of his life, he writes this book inspired by the Holy Spirit called Ecclesiastes, and it is an interesting book. And basically, you go line by line, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and Solomon just goes down the list and says, it's all meaningless, it's all empty, it's all vanity, only one thing truly matters. And then he closes the book. He closes the book with this statement. And I'm thankful that he does, by the way, because it gives hope as you read the book. And I'm gonna read it, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. I'm gonna read it from the Amplified Bible. If you don't know, by the way, the Amplified Bible is, is that it amplifies the word of God. So it takes key phrases or words and it gives more definition or explanation to them. In other words, it has a, it has a lot of extra words in it. My, my brother Josh calls it the women's translation because of that, because it has so many extra words. That's rude. Good riddance. I'm glad that guy's gone in Texas. Like, who says that? I would never say something like that. Why would you do that? That's rude. Wow. Shame on you, Josh. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, All has been heard. The end of the matter is fear God, revere and worship him, knowing that he is, and keep his commandments. For this is the whole of man, the full original purpose of his creation, the object of God's providence, the root of character, listen to this phrase, the foundation of all happiness, the adjustment to all inharmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun, and the whole duty for every man. So good. Number three, the fear of God is to live with the realization of how awesome God is and to make every effort to walk with him in a balanced, in a well-balanced relationship of loyal commitment. Philippians chapter two, verse 12, Paul writes this, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Do we have this verse on the screen? What does this last phrase say, everybody? Read it out loud, ready, Go. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Notice it does not say work out other people's salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your spouse's salvation with fear and trembling or work out your children's salvation with fear and trembling. It says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. <laughs> See, if you have, if you have a, a membership to the gym, you can have a membership to the gym, but that doesn't mean that you're going to the gym. You could even go to the gym, but unless you actually start to work out, it doesn't do any good. You ever seen those weirdos that go to the gym and they just watch everybody work out and they're not working out? Get those guys out of there, right? Listen, you can be a member of a church, you can be a member of the cause church and even go to church, but you have to make an effort to grow spiritually. You have to work out what God has worked in. You can come to church and you can stand here while we're singing, praising, worshiping the Lord, lifting up his name, entering into his presence, and you can stand there with your hands in your pockets and watch everybody else enter his presence. <laughs> but it ain't doing you no good unless you put some effort behind it. You gotta work out your own salvation. And notice, by the way, it also doesn't say work out your own salvation with love and grace. Of course, we are called to walk in love and in grace. It says, work out your own salvation, what? In the fear of God, in the fear of God. Let me say it like this. I'm not getting a lot of amens in this sermon, but that's all right. It might get real quiet in here for a minute. Some Christians love Jesus, but they don't fear God. 
I'm gonna say that again. Some Christians love Jesus, but they don't fear God. And so because of that, we conform to culture and we're no different from the world than those who don't know Christ. We excuse sin, we excuse it, we, we rationalize it instead of repenting from it, instead of turning away from our sin and turning towards the Lord. And because we think, well, it's not that big of a deal. We justify decisions, we justify behaviors, we justify attitudes, we justify lifestyles because we believe the lie, well, that's just how God made me. Nothing I can do about it. I made them, you know, this is how God made me. Or we, we focus on the grace, the grace of God that saves us, but we reject the grace of God to change us. Men and women, there is, there is saving grace. But I just preached this a few weeks ago. Grace is the operational power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so you get saved, you come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. But the moment you get saved, his grace wants to continue to change you and transform you. And you walk the process that the Bible calls sanctification. That means becoming more holy. That means becoming more like Jesus. That means letting go of the old and embracing the new. That means dying to the old man and being raised to new life in Christ. Come on, somebody. That means working out what God has worked in. That's good preaching, pastor. See, if you just think, it's my life, I'm gonna live how I wanna live. You know, I did it my way, Frank Sinatra. Well, men and women, that's not what the Bible says. If you're right, if you don't know the Lord and you're not in relationship with him, you are on your own. But when you come to Christ, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the body, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Bible says, you are bought at a price, the precious blood of Christ. Therefore, flee sexual immorality because your body is no longer belongs to you. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, be holy. God says, be holy because I am holy. Yes? yes? Hebrews 12, 28, therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which, listen to this, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably. What does it say? At the end, with what? With reverence and godly fear. Number four, the fear of God is to live with a healthy, holy awe of God's power and righteous retributions and a wholesome dread of displeasing him. <laughs> oh. You don't, you don't hear a lot of that preaching too much anymore, but let me spend a moment on this because this is part of the fear of God. There ought to be things that when you read the Bible, and especially when you read the words of Jesus, there ought to be some things that, that are in there that they they get your attention and they shake you. Like they, they cause you to pause and think, wow. And they ought to help instill the fear of God in you. And listen to the words of Jesus right here in Luke chapter 12. These are Jesus's words, verse four. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. 
but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after he has killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Jesus is making a, a clear distinction here between destructive and unholy fear, which the Bible calls the fear of man, and constructive and holy fear, which is the fear of God. The fear of man is caring more about pleasing others than you care about pleasing God. I wanna say that one more time. The fear of man is caring more about pleasing others than you care about pleasing God. I think one of the saddest verses, or, or two verses in all the Bible, in my personal opinion, is this, John chapter 12, verses 42 and 43. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, this is talking about the religious rulers, many believed in him, referring to Jesus, many believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved, listen to this, they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Wow. What, what does fear of man look like in our lives? It means compromising our convictions in order to be accepted by other people. It means embracing lies of the culture over the eternal truth of God's word. It means hiding the fact maybe that you're a Christian from somebody because you don't know what they're gonna think or say about you or even in your job, maybe they won't promote you. It, it, means, it, it means not telling others about Jesus, inviting them to church just because you're afraid. That's fear of man. Listen to this quote. The carnal person fears man, not God. The strong Christian fears God, not man. The weak Christian fears man too much and God too little. Jesus says that if you fear others more than you fear God, you will end up separated from God in hell for eternity. That's what Jesus just said. Those are his words. But, but he goes on, and it's good that he goes on in verse six. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more valued than many sparrows. In other words, Jesus reminds us, he, he, he kind of rebukes us, and then he reminds us, hey, don't worry, God loves you. God, God loves you, and you are extremely valuable to God. You are extremely loved by God. He cares about every detail of your life. And so, in other words, walk in, in the fear of God because he loves you, and fear him only. Live for him only, and don't live for yourself or for other people. Then Jesus goes on in verse eight, also I will say to you, also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the son of man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Charles Spurgeon says the fear of God is the death of every other fear. Like a mighty lion, it chases all other fears before it. Oswald Chambers says, the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Let me give a, a different kind of example. My, my dad, some of you knew my dad, it's coming up on three years since he graduated to heaven, but my dad was a godly man. He was amazing, tremendous man. He was a great father. And my dad modeled to me the fear of the Lord. He walked in the fear of God. And I was never... I never had an unhealthy fear of my dad, but I did have a healthy fear of my dad. I knew that if I got out of line, I knew that my dad would correct me. I knew that he would discipline me. Uh, he would bring uh, proper punishment. By the way, the Bible says the Lord disciplines those he loves. If you're no longer receiving the discipline of the Lord in your life, that ought to scare you. 
And so, you know, and parents discipline their kids because they love them. And my dad would discipline me, and, and I, I had a healthy fear and respect and honor of my dad. But one of the things is that because I loved my dad so much, I didn't want to disappoint him. I didn't, I didn't want to do something to displease my dad. I didn't want to let my dad down. And that's the truth. And one of the, one of the reasons why, it's one of the many reasons why I didn't ever really rebel against God, never, you know, I, 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 was, I didn't go out and drink, party, you know, do drugs, any of that stuff. One of the reasons is because I just had such a healthy fear of my dad and I didn't want to let him down. Listen, men and women, one of the reasons in our own lives why we should have a heart say, God, I don't wanna sin. I don't wanna mess up. I don't wanna rebel. I don't wanna live my own way is because we don't wanna do anything to disappoint or displease our heavenly father. Come on, because he's so good. He's so kind. He's so loving. He's so gracious. He's so forgiving. He's so merciful. God is so good. And life is all about knowing him and loving him. And God, I don't wanna let you down. I just, I just want to walk in obedience. I just want to walk in your ways because God's ways are always better. First Peter 1.17, and remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. If Jesus is your savior, then your salvation is secure. You are going to heaven. Heaven is your home. But the Bible says very clearly that even as Christians, all of us must, must stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we must give an account of our lives to God and we will be judged and we will be rewarded according to the good things that we have done. Are you hearing me? If, if that was it alone, that ought to put the fear of God in us. Can you imagine? It's like only the song, I can only imagine standing before God in his presence. Let me, let me say it like this. Here's a question. If I knew I lived in the daily reality that God is watching and evaluating everything I do and that he's gonna expose and judge every secret sin, what thoughts would I change? What words would not be spoken? What actions would I cease? What attitudes would I correct? What motives would be purified? What habits would be broken? What priorities would I adjust? Who would I forgive? The Christian who doesn't fear God thinks to himself, how close can I get to sin and still get away with it? The Christian who fears God says, how close can I get to God? There's a big difference. Number five is this, the fear of God is to live with a sense of awe and love for God that causes humility and an ongoing sense of accountability. Exodus 20, verse 20, Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Moses is differentiating between being scared of God and having the fear of God. The person who is scared of God has something to hide. I guess that means I'm done. I wasn't even my second set of points, Gary, but keep playing, I guess. So the person who's scared of God has something to hide. They run away from God. The Israelites ran away from God. Genesis chapter three, Adam, Adam and Eve, when they sinned and the presence of God came, it says we hid because we were afraid. That's being scared of God. The person who walks in the fear of God has nothing to hide and they draw near to God like Moses did. You see the difference? A.W. Tozer said that the greatness of God rouses fear within us, but his goodness encourages us not to be afraid of him. To fear and not be afraid, that is the paradox of faith. 
You, you cannot enjoy true intimacy with someone that you're afraid of. You, listen, I love, I love Jenny more than anybody on the planet. And I'm closer to Jenny than I am to anybody else. But I am not afraid of Jenny. Actually, that's not true. I am a little bit afraid of her. <laughs> that's the truth I am. I asked her to read through my notes last night, and when I got to this point, she literally wrote this. She said, cheat on me and see what happens. <laughs> dot, 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 LOL, dot, dot, dot. That LOL really scared me. <laughs> Cheat on me and see what happens. <laughs> okay, babe, I won't ever do that. I love you. Um, James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. I'm, I'm not scared of God. I'm scared of not having God in my life. <laughs> I'm afraid of not having his presence, not having his anointing, not having his blessing in my life. That's why Moses told God in Exodus 33, God says, I'm not going with you. I'm done with you guys. Read it. That's a paraphrase. I'm done with you. Moses, my blessing will go before you. I ain't going. And Moses says, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, we are not going. I need your presence. What, what are the benefits of fearing God? There, you know, we just explained what it means to fear God. There's tremendous rewards, blessings, benefits of fearing God. Isaiah 33, 6, the fear of the Lord is his treasure. The fear of the Lord, think about that, is his treasure. If God says, this is my treasure, that means it's really, really, really important and really valuable. Fear of the Lord is God's treasure. Number one, the fear of God leads to a life of God's wisdom. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools, <laughs> fools despise wisdom and instruction. There's a lot of people in our world with a lot of degrees, a lot of head knowledge, a lot of letters behind their name, but they're educated fools because there's no fear of God in them. There, there's no knowledge of God. They have no wisdom. Since I'm quoting all these other great theologians, let me quote one more, Mr. T. I pity the fool, all right? <laughs> Bible says the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Number two, the fear of God leads to a life of true satisfaction and contentment. Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. Fearing God gives you safety, gives you security, gives you protection against, listen to me, against the life of, of ruin and brokenness. And not just you, but the Bible says, even your children who are influenced by your example. Psalm 112 says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. That's amazing. One of the, I, I know that, there are many things that the Lord has kept me from, that he has prevented me from, evil things, wicked things, just bad things, harmful things in my life because my mom and dad walked in the fear of God. And my mom's parents, my grandparents walked in the fear of God. And my dad's parents, my grandparents walked in the fear of God. And my dad's grandparents walked in the fear of God. Listen, Jenny and I, we walk in the fear of the Lord. Our children are gonna walk in the fear of God. Our grandchildren are gonna walk in the fear of God. Our great-grandchildren are gonna walk in the fear of God. 
Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. In other words, I'm not going to live life in, in, in fear of what life may bring. I'm not going to live in anxiety or worry. I'm not going to live in fear of pleasing other people. I'm certainly not going to live in fear of the enemy because I fear God and him alone. And God is my protection. God is my refuge. He is my shield. He is my fortress. He is my helper. He is my defense. And my life is blessed because of that. My family is blessed. My spouse is blessed. My children are blessed. My business is blessed. I, I can live confidently. I can live fully alive. I can live satisfied and content because I fear the Lord. Number three, the fear of God leads to a life of God's favor, blessing, and provisions. I'll give you verses. You can read those on your own. Number four, that was number three. Number four, the fear of God leads to a life of moral purity. 2 Corinthians 7.1, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work toward complete holiness. Because we, what does it say at the end? Because we what? Because we fear God. Notice it says, cleanse yourself. There is, a, there is a cleansing that only the blood of Jesus can accomplish for us. The power of Jesus' blood cleanses us and purifies us from all unrighteousness. You can't do that on your own. I can't do that on my own. But men and women, we must also make the choice to cleanse ourselves of things that hinder, things that distract. Like Hebrews 12 says, let us throw aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles. And we gotta make a choice. Let me say it like this. It's your choice whether you're gonna live God's way, which leads to holiness, or you're gonna leave your, live your own way, which leads to unholiness. You, you know that you're growing in the fear of the Lord when, when things that you used to tolerate or, or, or sin that used to be entangled in or even habits and addictions that used to be in your life, they now bother you and you want to change. You know you're growing in the fear of the Lord. When you, when you, when you at least say or, or think something like this, I, I, don't, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna cuss like that anymore. I don't wanna talk like this anymore because God hates a perverse mouth. I don't wanna lie anymore because God loves the truth. I don't want to be addicted to pornography anymore because the Bible tells me, man of God, flee sexual immorality. I don't, I don't want to get drunk anymore. I don't, I don't want that anymore because Ephesians 5.18 tells me, don't get drunk with wine and alcohol. It'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't want to get drunk. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. In other words, God, I don't want anything. I don't want anyone that's going to take me away from you. I just want more of you. Number five is this, the fear of God leads to a life of intimate friendship with God, of intimate friendship with God. And, and I think that's, that is the most important and the greatest benefit of fearing God is intimate friendship. Psalm 25, verse 14, the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He's a friend to those who fear him. Why? Because the fear of God draws us close to him, to know him, to walk with him, to obey him. Isaiah eleven three says his delight, and it's referring to Jesus, by the way. It's a messianic passage, prophetic passage about Jesus. Jesus' delight is in the fear of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want to be more like Jesus. And if his delight is the fear of the Lord, that needs to be my delight as well. I want to walk in the fear of God. How do I walk in the fear of God? I gave you three points. They're listed right there. It's 
what we've talked about. Number one is honor God more than anything or anyone else in my life daily. Number two is turn from sin, confess and repent of my sin in my life daily. Number three is obey God and his word in every area of my life daily. We'll leave it there. We'll pick it up next week. I'm gonna probably preach on Abraham next week on obedience and the fear of the Lord. Just you close your eyes for a moment, everybody? Just put your stuff down, relax in his presence. Maybe, maybe the Lord spoke to you already this morning and pointed out some things in, in your life that he just wants to address, he wants to fix, he wants to correct, he wants to change, he wants to forgive, he wants to heal, he wants to set you free from. Why don't you just take a moment, just in your own heart, don't say anything out loud, but just, if you haven't, just say, God, just show me where, where I need to walk in, in the fear of you in a greater way. Maybe it's to make different decisions, to cleanse yourself, to just confess sin, but let him, let him speak to you for a moment. you um, just quietly, would you just stand to your feet with me? I want to pray. We're not, we're, we'll be done in a few minutes. So please don't leave. But I want to pray. I want to sing. When I'm done praying, I want to sing and worship the Lord. And then I need to give an invitation for some people here this morning. Let me pray for, for us. Lord, we, we love you. We honor you. We honor you. Lord, thank you for your, your love and your mercy, your kindness and your grace, which is beyond our, our comprehension. Thank you, God, you're so kind. Your word reminds us that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And Lord, we recognize your ways are always better we know that we all fall short. None of us are perfect. We thank you for Jesus that you sent to be perfect on our behalf. But God, we wanna be men and women who fear you. We wanna be men and women of God who walk with you in obedience. Don't tolerate things in our life that we know are not your best for us. Lord, help us to change things that we struggle with. Maybe for a long time, think they'll never, they'll never be broken. You can break those things. You can set us free.
Show us what we need to do, decisions we need to make, whatever it is. Give us wisdom. God, we pray and we recognize it's not just by our own might or our own power. It's by the power of your spirit working in us. So we yield to that today. We yield to you. We need you. We want more of you. We want to draw close to you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.